Alright, konnichiwa and welcome to the Code of the Cardboard Samurai, a podcast all about Magic the Gathering in Japan. In this podcast, our goal will be to inform people both around and outside of Japan what is going on in the magic scene here. I'm your host, Ryan Schwenk, the Japan hobbyist out of Yokohama, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, Daniel Ostrander. It's actually Ostrander, Mr. Goodfriend. Sorry. (laughs) Ostrander. Actually, people have been calling me Ostrander on and off for my entire life, so it's fine. I always call him Dan. Dan's fine. Yeah. So so he's one of the original cardboard samurai from Nagoya. He's been here forever. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I I guess I have. I guess I have. So, um... Basically, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit first about our mission behind this podcast, why you know we decided to, to make this. Uh, as some of you might know, I uh, run a website, www.thejapanhobbyist.com, and I've been writing about the metagame, I've been writing about stores in Japan, I've been writing about interviews of Japanese players, all these different things. If I can jump in real quick, my favorite segment yeah. that you do is you translate the Japanese cards, uh, the, the the new the new mechanics of the sets. I've that's always been my favorite of your pieces is when you say you know here is what you know double strike is in Japanese. Here's what uh, afflict is in Japanese. I've always loved mm-hmm. that, and I love doing that stuff. And I, I feel like I will continue to do like the the basic information things. You know, like the stores. Uh, you know, in like the uh, Japanese to English translations, but I feel like, you know, that the website needs to evolve a little bit. There's so much to talk about, so much to write about. I don't have the time or the data to be able to like put together a great article, but I feel like I can get people on a podcast or I can get people with other experience to kind of talk about it. So that's one of my main reasons for doing this podcast. Um, Another thing that I would like to do with this podcast is uh, to talk just about magic in general in Japan. I think that, you know, magic, uh, you know, you have the the articles that people write. It's always in Japanese. You don't have a lot of English content. So I think this would be like really useful for some people that are coming to visit from you know other parts of Asia or you know from Europe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and this uh, another thing I'd like to do is you know like I did with my my uh, website was talk about stores and just uh, also kind of take it to the next step and talk about the cities those stores are in. Not not a it, not a uh, not a not a month goes by that I'm not in a Japanese store uh, here in Nagoya, and I run into a, a new foreigner. And as we do when we're living here in Japan, oh, there's another foreigner. I want to talk to them. They they're into yeah. magic, and I go up to them and I'm like, hey man, are you from here? And they're always like, no, I'm visiting. I'm here with the GP or whatever. And I'm like, how'd you mm-hmm. find us? It's like, oh, the Japan hobbyist. So yeah, you know, you, you know, people really do appreciate the 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 the, the where to goes uh, uh, part of your mm-hmm. articles. Yeah, I, I've I've lacked updates recently on that i have like 20 different store reviews that are still i'm um, you know being worked on but they'll come out eventually um so other things that i would like to do with this podcast is to interview players but not just players uh foreign players living in japan i like to interview japanese players oh, i think that's awesome. something that people really don't do um you know get 
talk to like uh, somebody that's like a, a judge, a Japanese judge, mm-hmm. or you know, talk to somebody that's uh, a big part of like the legacy community or you know the EDH community or something like that. Some so, of the best brewers in the world live in this country, and and I think people want to hear from them. Yeah, I think you know one of the things that Japan's known for is just like these crazy brews. Yes. No matter what format, you're like, what is this person playing? <laughs> so I want to pick those people's brains and kind of get give you a little little bit more information about them. Um, uh, like like Dan said, uh, also I'd like to to have some uh, episodes where we kind of have like a Japanese uh, lesson to teach people how to to play in Japanese or or you know use cards in Japanese and stuff like that. Uh, you can hear maybe a. a, a an actual Japanese person saying the words, so you know you're not just reading it and trying to like pronounce it yourself. But you know, hey, don't cut yourself short. Your pronunciation's quite good. Yeah, we, we both have Japanese wives, by the way. But uh, I don't see how I that's think, relevant. But yes, we we speak it all the time. We speak Japanese all the time. But uh, I, I still think our our uh, accents are pretty American. So. Mm, that is true. That is true. Yeah. So uh, that's just a, a a few things. There's so much space you know to and you know in this uh, this podcast to talk about a variety of of different topics mm-hmm. i mean was there anything that you kind of felt like you wanted to talk about uh somewhere down the road dan well i love i love this game um but recently uh through personal things that will probably come up as we speak uh i have not had much time at all uh to get out uh and play and so i'm sitting at home a lot and i'm brewing and I'm, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm just getting, you know, I'm like, I'm frustrated. I, I, I got I to gotta let it out. So if I can't, mm-hmm. you know, if I can't play t- in person, I like to at least talk about it. So that's, mm-hmm. this, is, this is more of an outlet for me than anything else. Uh, but yes. I do think that there's a lot of people out there who want to know about magic in Japan. And there's a lot of people who, like me 10 years ago, were, were hoping to find something that they could do that was a taste of home. And for me, it was magic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Let people yeah. let people know that there is a magic community here, both local and international. So let's let's uh, kind of use that to segue into the next topic. I want to do some introductions, talk about uh, our MTG history in Japan. So mm-hmm. let's have you talk a little bit. I'm going to rest my voice. I've been talking too much. So all right, uh, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you the abridged version. I've been yes. playing since fourth edition. Uh, which for a lot of you knows that's that was like 20 years ago. I, I was in college at the time. Uh, I was very very tabletop, but but when I say tabletop, I mean just like playing on the floor in our dormitory. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but I never ha- put, had the money to put into it. Now looking back, Lord, I wish I'd put at least you know 500 dollars <laughs> into it because I would have had so many great cards that were so cheap back then. Uh, but then I played on and off since then. Uh, but I got really far away from it after college, and then uh, after co- about. Four or five years after college, I moved to Japan to pursue my teaching career. I actually did come here to teach. I wanted to be a teacher. I really enjoyed the Japanese approach to education, so I wanted to be a part of that. So I came here to be a part of that. And I guess I was in Japan for about three years when I ran into a friend, uh, and she had said that her and her boyfriend at the time had bought starter decks. Uh, and this was around the time of the first Innistrad block. Mm-hmm. And she's like, the new set's really cool. And I'm like, well, what's, what's it about? And she's like, it's about vampires. I'm like, I'm in. Because hmm. that was one of my favorite things to play back in the day. I, I loved playing va- Sengir Vampire at the time was like my favorite card. Yeah. 
So, um, and then I, I get back in the game and I'm like, wow, singer vampire, I got nothing on these cards. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 I've been hardcore since then. And, uh, me and a uh, Janie, that was my friend Janie and my friend Will, we, who we all had magic, uh, in our past, but we came together in Japan and we started what has become the, um, uh, the, the gathering Nagoya. It is a local group of international and, and Nate and locals as well, uh, who get together, on a weekly basis to play usually very casual magic, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of EDH, a lot of EDH, but we do have some very competitive members. Uh, you, Ryan, yourself are a member. Uh, well, yeah, you were when you lived here in Nagoya. Yeah. Uh, I'm still part. I'm you, still you, there. You, of course. Sort of. Most kinda. definitely. And, but you, you've gone on, you've, pl- you've played, uh, you, you went to the, uh, you went to the pro, t- not the pro tour, but the, um, well, I went to the pro tour you, once. You went to the pro tour once, which is amazing. Yeah. I don't think anyone else. In the I, group has I gone spiked. That far. I spiked yeah. uh, an event. So. Yes, I remember that. Uh, so yeah, we've got some competitive people in our group. We've got we got everything. I, that's what I love about the the gathering Nagoya. It, the group is very eclectic. They're from around the world, and they have all different levels of interest in the game. And when you first started out, how many people were in the? It was literally the three people I mentioned. It was Will, Janie, and me, and then Jesse, uh, and and yeah, and, um, and then we just grew from there. Yeah, I remember when I joined. I think maybe there was twenty people. Yes. And now there's over fifty, and that's like, I think there's like seventy or yes. eighty actually, but active probably like forty or 50. more like forty or fifty exactly. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how much it's grown, and it's a secret group. It's like it's only word of mouth, and people mm-hmm. you know. But like I said, when we go to a shop and we run into a foreigner, and if they're from here or if they're living in Japan, we we like we invite them to join the group so we can you know let people know that this exists. Hmm. So. Um, did you talk anything about like the formats that you played? Were you always oh, casual, uh, or uh, I, I've always fancied myself one day. One day I'm going. I'm going to do competitive. Uh, but you know, I buy the cards. I, I build the decks. I, pl- I I play test. But I never, you know, I never do anything beyond a GP. But I I, I love Legacy. I'm mm-hmm. really crazy about Modern right now. The meta is cr- the meta itself is crazy, and it's very exciting time. And with Modern Horizon. Mm-hmm. On the horizon, it's going to get even crazier. Uh, I've never really been a huge fan of standard. I've always felt like it's just a money trap. It's a money pit. Mm. Uh, but I, and EDH, of course, love me some EDH. Yeah. yeah. How about okay. you, how about you, Ryan? Did you have any experience with Magic before Japan? Yeah. So uh, I actually started during uh, Revised. I oh Lord! Say. Revised, really? Yeah, when I was in elementary school. Um, <laughs> see, see, I was like, I-, I think I'm a lot older than you. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I am yeah. a lot older than you because I was in university. All right, really yeah. nice. Cool, very cool. So, yeah, I was, I mean, yeah, you were in university when fourth edition came out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was in elementary when, uh, <laughs> elementary school when uh, uh, one of my neighbors that was older, like junior high school kid or whatever, came over and was like, hey, man, you got to try out, you know, this this thing, you know, this, this game. Like, okay, so. You know, I, I bought a couple packs, you know, during Revised, and I got my brother into it. And then I ended up collecting a lot from there on all the way up until about Tempest or Stronghold. Mm-hmm. And, and then at that point, I stopped playing. At, from from those first few, t- you know, first few years, it was just about collecting ah. and playing against my brother, basically. Yep. So I, I stopped after Stronghold. And then uh, when I came back from Japan, actually, my first time, I went. I lived in Japan from 2005 to 2008. And actually before that, I think around 2004, 2003, I started to do pre-releases again. 
like Eldrazi, Rise of Eldrazi, and uh, Conflux, and and stuff like that. Mm. Then I moved to Japan, and uh, I didn't play at all. You know, it was kind of just more casual thing back then. And I moved back to the USA from like 2008, 2010. Played more Magic with my friends. I had a lot of tabletop uh, stuff going on during that time. And then when I moved back to Japan the second time in 2010, that's when the competitive Magic bug really bit me. So from 2010 onward, I, you know, I was playing uh, New Phyrexia and a little bit of Rise of Eldrazi. And uh, yeah, I played that all the way up until current, you know, to where I am now. Uh, I've played mostly standard. Uh, I, I played modern for a couple of years, but it's kind of like uh, slacked off just because, you know, I'm not as interested in it anymore. I did have a legacy deck at one point. Yeah, uh, I, I do remember your legacy deck. And, and yes, uh, I mean, we, you, you were on... Um, you, Rug Delver? Rug Delver. Was Del no, I was on Delver. And then you... Uh, you, and then I moved to Infect. Infect, that's it. You were an Infect player, that's right. And then, like, all my cards got banned, so I'm just like, no, I'm done. <laughs> See that that, and, that just that's just that's just that's the eternal struggle. You know, yeah. you, you you love a deck, you play a deck, you get good at a deck, and then they ban it out from under you. Man, I was a miracles player, so I get it. But you got to keep, keep. But going. it's like in Japan, it's even worse, just because it's so much more expensive to to switch to another deck. That is true. That is true. I mean, people don't realize, like, oh, you can buy this card for this amount of money. That's, like, double price in <laughs> Japan. It's getting better now, but, like, back then it was, like, oh, yeah. $40 more yeah. to get a card or 50 Or reserve list cards. I mean, you're right. It's balancing out a bit, but it was so wor so much worse. And Legacy, I would say. Legacy and Modern especially are kind of getting more and more popular in Japan. Yeah. Whereas, like, other places, maybe they're not as popular, but, like, Legacy continues to grow in Asia. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so yeah, that, that's basically my, uh, my background. Like I said, played standard, played modern, played a little bit of legacy. Uh, I, I play EDH, I cube, I do a little bit of everything. But you, I usually, if I could, if I don't want you to yeah. skim over anything, cause you know, a lot of people are going to find you through your other uh, podcast, which, which also talks to a lot of what else you're involved with with magic, which is the frontier scene. You're pretty huge yeah. in the frontier scene. I got into it like the first day they announced it i was at big magic and i traveled to tokyo to take part in the hallelujah god of frontier events love it a lot it's great it's a it's a lot it's a great format mm -hmm. between modern and standard i love that it's not rotating that is nice and and i love that it's so cheap it you was it, 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 a, it, a lot of those cards have become quite the staples in in modern yeah but it's still because it's so close to standard still, I mean, it's still, it's further away from modern. So it doesn't use a lot of those staples. Mm -hmm. So you can still be competitive with yeah. current standard decks, which is great. So you can make something like Ramen Up Red, which was, you know, like the one from like Amonkhet. Yeah. And it's still a really good deck. It's a decent tier two deck. Yeah. You know, you just throw in a couple new cards, maybe like Goblin Chain Whirler or, you know, light up the stage and like, bam, every set that comes out puts new life into the format. So I'm really excited. I know that, you know, they're going to be making a standard plus. Um, I think maybe this fall, I want to say, 
They're gonna be they're, so, yeah. I feel like before the end of the year, they're gonna announce the the new the the new eternal format, which will yeah. be, which will be playable on uh, Arena. Yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, I I love playing Frontier, but I'm willing to kind of put that aside and you know move on to the next thing. I just want a new format between modern and standard. Are you saying, anyways? But but you're still doing your Frontier podcast, right? Yeah, still doing that. It's called uh, Magic: The Final Frontier. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you can still listen to me talk about Japan's Frontier scene and, and all that other stuff. Which because some people may not know, Frontier started here at Hallelujah. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. It was actually between Hallelujah and Big Magic. They kind of joined together and and started the uh, the format. But uh, the champion of the uh, format was uh, Hallelujah. Nice. So, okay. So I think that's good for introductions. So let's talk about our topic for today. Our main topic I'd like to talk about is GP Yokohama. It's uh, coming uh, up. Uh, uh, there is uh, uh, no uh, uh, Magic Fest. Magic oh. Fest Yokohama. We don't call them GPs anymore. Isn't it like Magic Fest is the name of the whole event, but part of it is the Grand Prix? I, I think yes that the yeah, the competitive part is I think it's still called a GP I think don't quote me on that uh, even though we just I recorded believe. that but uh, but I think Magic really wants us to refer to it the whole event as Magic Fest you know I'm never gonna call it Magic Fest <laughs> yeah it's 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 not the best it's not the best name but it, but Magic Fest Yokohama is gonna be really cool yeah so I thought we'd talk a little bit about that today I'm living in Yokohama now. So, um, trader, think, trader, you left us, man. I love Nagoya. Nagoya is one of the best, most chill places for magic, yeah, I think, in, in all of Japan. I've never had a better time playing magic than I have, you know, living in Nagoya. Hmm. So, but now you're but, in Yokohama, which is the second largest city in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. I guess so. Yeah, it's like yeah. eight million yeah, or, people, maybe. I think they usually, they usually wrap, wrap Yokohama and Tokyo up into one mega city. Which yeah. makes it the largest city in Japan. The metropolitan area. Exactly. Okay, so, um, yeah, let's talk about Magic Fest, Yokohama. Uh, it's next weekend. Uh, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but hopefully it'll be out before uh, Magic Fest, Yokohama. Um, so that is going to be the, I believe, 20th and yep. 21st. The 20th and 20th. Well, there'll be something on the 19th of Friday, but yeah. The, yeah, the 19th or the 21st. Yeah. And uh, it's modern format. Yes, it is. So, so people are going to be playing modern. There's a lot of side events there. Otherwise, that you can go to. Yeah. And uh, location is Pacifico, Yokohama. So, actually, you know, Yokohama has had a kind of a long history of Magic: The Gathering. Recently, it hasn't had any events. But uh, in the past, when the events were a little bit smaller, they did usually have. Uh, events at Pacifico Yokohama, and, and where that is located is uh, by Sakuragicho Station um, on the JR line. There's a couple other lines you can use too, but the easiest one I think is Sakuragicho. It's right next to uh, the Landmark Tower, which is like the biggest top, biggest building in the area. It's really easy. It's huge, to find. beautiful yeah. observation deck. And there's also uh, Queens. It's a Queen Square, I think, a big shopping area right next to it. So basically, you can just—it's maybe a fifteen-minute walk. Is Pacifica down by the port? Yeah, it's right down by the port. So it's, 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 it's towards the ocean. Yeah, yeah. They have a huge 
Uh, they have a whole bunch of event halls. Um, yeah, last time I went there, I went, I think it was like 2014, 2013, maybe before that. Yeah, even. around the same time, I, I, I went to a rock festival called the Nano Mugen Rock Festival. Uh, there's a local band out of Yokohama called uh, mm-hmm. Asian Kung Fu Generation, and they used to have uh-huh. a yearly event called Nano Mugen, and it was, it was down there. A lot of really great halls uh, yeah. for stuff like that. So that's the basic information. Um, it's a really nice area. Uh, lots of great restaurants. Lots of, of uh, how do I say, good shopping. A lot mm-hmm. of things to do, both you know, inside the event hall and outside. Um, yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll, we'll go into a little more detail of like things to do after the event or before the event or well, before that if you scrub out of the event and you know yeah and you, yeah. you just got to get away from magic for a little bit yeah but before that let's kind of talk a little bit more about magic the gathering yeah. let's focus on that uh so let's talk first about modern currently in japan now i have to be honest i haven't played modern at all recently i played it online a little bit i've gone to a, a couple events um you know like maybe at local events in town but otherwise i haven't really kept up at all i get it man these days i am playing magic the fathering Uh, Mm um my wife and i have a newborn baby she's amazing but she is all of my time so i don't don't get so much so like i said it's just me building and and um and taking care of a baby because I don't like I said no time no no time no time for games so much. Mm-hmm. But I did take uh, some time uh, this week and I looked into uh, what the big some of the bigger shops are doing meta wise when it comes mm-hmm. to modern to give people kind of maybe an idea of what they might see uh, at the GP next weekend. Mm-hmm. And so uh, yeah, please tell us your findings. Well, um, well, let's start with Big Magic. Big Big Magic is a uh, I would say that they are probably the biggest uh, card shop in Japan. They're huge. Uh, mm. they, they don't have a ton of locations, but the ones they have are big, and they are actually hosting Magic Fest Yokohama. They hold a monthly event called uh, Monthly Modern Masters. It's out of their Osaka shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, in April, their their event had 122 people. Nice. Uh, humans came in first. Uh, Blue White Miracles was second. Ad Nauseam was in third. Uh, they had also Mono Blue Tron, Red White Burn, two copies of Grixis Shadow, and The Rock uh, making an appearance at, on eighth place. Uh, back in March, they had 82 players. And here's where we see a little bit of that. We talk about, about the the creativeness of Japanese brewers. There was this really spicy Esper brew that topped the event. Uh, it was running a Monastery Mentor, Death Shadow, and Teferi, mm. which I thought was a really neat mixture. They didn't have a lot of ways to reduce their own life totals uh, except for fetches shocks and some thought seizes so it was mm-hmm. a, it was a neat it was a neat brew that somehow it, it, it topped uh, that event the rest were usual suspects uh two burn decks uh blue red phoenix bant spirits affinity uh boggles living end uh so i guess and i also looked at hallelujah hallelujah has a really great english website uh yeah mtg.com that's h-a-r-e-r-u-y-a mtg.com uh, they haven't. They have English. Their website has English, and you can actually go to their their uh, event w- uh, portion and look at the meta breakdown. Mm-hmm. And since March, they list Is It Phoenix at the top with fifty nine decks, followed by uh, Golgari Junk, which uh, a lot of people call the Rock, uh, thirty one Burn Green and Tron Blue Blue uh, White Control Humans Grixis Shadow. That's basically the rest of it. But there's a ton of other decks 
that all fall below 5%. So mm-hmm. when you – Go ahead. They have huge events there. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's like 80 people, 100 people. So, And when you go over to MT, you know, MT, MTG dot, mtgtop8.com and you see very similar numbers to all of these decks. So I guess the whole point of this is is that, you know, you're going – no matter how far you travel to play Magic, if you're coming here, if you're coming to Yokohama from Nagoya or from China or from America, you're mm. going to run into a lot of the same decks you would back at home. Mm. So which there's a, I kind of, there's kind of a comfort I found in that when I was doing this research because you know like people say the the Japanese they go they they go big with their brews and 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 they get wacky and weird and like really cutting edge stuff and that is true but I really think at these really big events everyone just gets down to the nitty gritty and well. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, that's it's true for the most part. But I, I mean, don't don't sell Japan short. I think that uh, there's such a high level of technical play and skill. People know the meta game oh, yes. so well over here that it lets them, you know, build these crazy brews and do well with them. Um, you know, Goto Yusei from Nagoya. Oh yeah. He made. Uh, he was a finalist, I believe, in like 2013 or 2014 GP Kobe. And he had like I called it a kaiju affinity deck. It was basically um, you know like Insole Artifact and uh, Shrapnel Blast and Tarmogoyf and like all these other you know cards that just like slam people for huge amounts of damage and like go off super quickly. Yeah. No and matter, like no one was ready for that. No matter what happens at the GP, someone's someone's gonna have a, at least one person's gonna have a breakout spicy brew, and yeah. the very next day, everyone around the world's gonna be talking about that brew, and the cards are gonna get snatched up, and there's gonna yep, be a yep. spike in the market <laughs> because some some creative Japanese player put this brew together and did probably pretty well at Magic yeah. Best Yokohama. Yeah. So. Okay, was there any other information that you wanted to say about uh, I wish the I could, current I, modern no, situation? I love modern right now. And I, I, reading this list, I'm like, wow, that's just, it's so diverse. There's so much. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's a lot of graveyard synergies. Yes, main deck your, you know, main deck all of your graveyard hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to be a part of it. I want to play. You know, I, I really miss it. I, I, I can't go to Magic Fest Yokohama next weekend, uh, but I'm, I'm making plans to go to the other, some of the other Magic Fest coming up in Japan this year for me it's so. the price i think we should talk a little bit about let's, yeah, the cost let's, yeah, let's, yeah let's talk just about that. Ma- the cost of magic fest air quote air quotes mm-hmm. uh in japan <laughs> um like people you know in the usa they can drive and they can go to hotels and share hotels and it's 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 not that cheap i mean it's not not that expensive um but japan is so much more expensive to play anywhere oh yeah even um, even locally, it can, it can really add up. Yeah, because well, let's talk about locally first. Uh, a lot, all the stores are usually in the downtown area, mm-hmm. and most people live outside of downtown. Yes, so that's true. so people are going to be paying five to ten dollars or five hundred to thousand yen on the weekends, maybe if they're lucky, to travel into town to play magic. Yeah, to, uh, take, to take the train or the subways into town. Yeah, yeah. So that's locally. You know, so that's that's kind of uh, kind of expensive. It builds up after a while. It adds to the price of your decks and whatnot, and that's why you don't have a lot of people always going to you know the weekday events. Now, when we go to the GP, 
So what do you think is like the biggest cost in Japan, like if you're traveling to a GP? So if I was going to Yokohama next weekend, uh, because it's between Nagoya and Yokohama or Tokyo, I would probably take the Shinkansen uh, yeah. because it's, I mean, everyone's like, well, just don't take the Shinkansen, but it's so convenient. I mean, yeah. I could travel local train and take like three hours or more. Uh, no, maybe then, from, from Nagoya? Yeah, I, I haven't. It's I, like five hours. Man. Oh, is that how much, I've, I would never yeah. do it because there's the Shinkansen and it's less than an hour. Yes, it cost me a yeah. hundred dollars, but it's less. It's it's like it's it's. I don't know. I I would take the Shinkansen, and yes, in my mind, that would be the greatest output, besides the GP itself. So that's because, about because you're going to say because you're going to say hotel, but I would just yeah. crash at your place. So for me, yeah. the greatest output <laughs> would be the Shinkansen. So. The Shinkansen, $100, that's just one way. Yeah, one way. I mean, it's probably like 8000 depending on where. That's if you come from Nagoya. If, you, if you're coming from, you know, like Tokyo, or if you're coming from, you know, uh, I don't know, Shizuoka or something, maybe it's not as expensive. But, mm. yeah, it builds up. That builds up really quickly. So, yeah, next, hotels. So, the hotel situation in Japan has has been horrible for the last, like, five to ten years. You know, you have to book it three to four months ahead of time, or you're stuck with these super expensive places or, or super expensive, you know, how do I kind of say, like uh, packages or whatever. Yeah, you're talking about the you're talking about hotels for this for GPs exclusively well, because well, I would just, say hotels have been a nightmare in Japan for no, longer saying, than five I, years. No, I'm saying generally, oh, in okay. general, like for the last five or ten years, it's just been really bad. Yeah. So when it comes down to GPs. You're you're not gonna expect to probably spend less than seventy bucks a night, probably or eighty bucks a night on a decent, uh, you know, something that's not too far away, a decent room. And these are probably, I mean, you're talking about business hotels too. Yeah. Like you know, you yeah. mentioned like in the states, you would just share a hotel room. There's none of that in Japan because these rooms are one person rooms, unless you go to a hostel. And, but um, you, I mean, you you can go. There there are some places that have. Um, you know, like joined rooms, you can do twins, whatever, like, it's a little bit, a little bit less expensive, but it also comes down to like privacy and like the rooms are so much smaller. And oh, yeah. I had a, I, I stayed at a, a place, uh, for GP Nagoya last year, I think the team, uh, limited event and just having all these people right next to me sleeping and snoring, I, I, I can't do it. Yeah. You, you gotta get your own, your own room, especially yeah. on a, before a big game. I think. So yeah, you could also hotels. Stay, you could stay in. You could stay in a, a, a capsule hotel. Yeah, those, those are pretty affordable and and an experience to be had. If you're, tra- I, I would say, if you're visiting Japan for the first time, I would definitely at least stay one night in a capsule hotel to say that you have done it. So capsule hotels are the the really small rooms. It's basically like you're sleeping in a giant cardboard box no no with, it's like sleeping in a giant coffin or one of those space age uh hibernation huh. pods there we go with a television yes. and um you do have to get naked with other people there because the only bath they have is a public communal bath, bath public yeah. bath and i'm, I'm totally good you know, after 10 years i'm totally cool with that i don't care it doesn't phase me anymore but i know a lot of uh, foreigners might be like put off yeah, doing that. B- so, bathing in front, being, bathing in front of other people, it, it is yeah. something you have to get used to. They do give you a courtesy towel, but <laughs> 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 yeah. So, um, so oh, yeah, there's I, that. Oh, well, yeah, we quick. should talk a little bit about Airbnb. That has helped oh, a little bit. Okay. I think people have. Uh, there's 
they just passed a new law in Japan to make it a little bit more difficult to have a room for Airbnb, but uh, there's still more options now. You could find something a little bit cheaper. Hmm. What were you going to say? I was going to say it just dawned on me that we are in the middle of what's known as Sakura Flight in Japan season. It's Sakura Flight season, which is the season where where, where visitors from all over Eastern Asia come to Japan to see the blooming of the cherry blossom tree. Yeah, yeah. And that it's still going on because there's still petals on the tree, and they still will be there next weekend. So, uh, wow, I can't even imagine how much more difficult it is to get a hotel right yeah, now. Yeah, that always happens. Like yeah. 80% of the GPs I went to in the past were like, oh, hey, it's cherry blossom time, or hey, it's uh, autumn, you know, foliage viewing oh, time, yes. or it's golden week. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> please. Please, wizards, don't schedule during this time. <sighs> but uh, anyways, so yeah, um, hotel is expensive, transport's expensive, food is a little expensive. It's not so bad. You can find cheap, cheap stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it it does help to at least have someone here who might be able to help you communicate. Um, mm-hmm. uh, some, I mean, a lot, a lot of the places they have pictures or they'll have the plastic food out front. So you can just, you know, t- take them outside and say, I want, you know, point to the, what you want uh, if you don't speak the language. And they have gotten a lot better because of the Olympics coming in 2020. Yep. So like, I believe the government had some kind of subsidies for, for companies that wanted to change their stuff to English. Yeah. So, um, well, yeah, one more thing I wanted to talk about cost-wise is just the cost of the event itself. Exactly. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not, I, I couldn't go, so I didn't look it up, but I've heard people kind of griping about it. How much is our tickets this time? It's 10,000 yen, which is you know, close to $100, like 90-something. Yeah, that's $100 to compete in the modern event. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, and in the past it was like fifty, sixty dollars. Oh yeah, I me- I remember GP Nagoya years ago, and it was so affordable, and it was like I can't even imagine paying tw- basically twice now. Yeah, and then like the side events are also more expensive. Yeah, you can win more prizes, but it's like what if if I'm not confident in my my deck, if I haven't didn't spend all this money on a deck and then practice all this time, you know. Why would I even want to go? I'm just going to lose. You know, I'm going to pay like 30 bucks or 20 bucks for uh, a draft, and then I'll lose. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very bad for casual players. Recently, it was. There wasn't a, Because of the size, Like there's not enough room usually to, to cube and trade and play EDH with friends. And I mean, I don't know if you went to the last one in Nagoya, did you? No, no, that was smack dab in the middle of the beginning of my uh, my adventure and pa- my adventures in parenthood. Ah, uh, okay. So, so yeah. So usually in Japan, if you're going to an event, let's say, you know, you have to get the hotel and food and and all that stuff here. I think you're going to spend about about five hundred dollars, about fifty thousand yen on that weekend. That sounds about, and that's if you don't, you know, go and buy cards, you know, like, because there's a ton of dealers there, and there's some really good cards and stuff you'll want, so, I mean, that could be an extra, you know, $100, $200 right there, easy. Yeah, and for me, that, that, that costs me out, you know, I'm yeah. cost out, I can't, I can't afford it, I mean, I can afford that, I don't want to pay that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm done, when, once, like, GPs hit, like, $80, I'm like, no, I'm done. 
but I'm not going to play anymore. If you do, I mean, I I would pay this. If this GP was in my neck of the woods, I would go and I would pay yeah. it because I love modern and I can't think we can't discount that. If you love modern and this is a really fun time to be playing modern, this is a great chance to play with some of the best players in Eastern mm-hmm. Asia. Uh, yeah, that that's just true. But this is not only Japan. You have you're gonna have people coming from from Taiwan. You're gonna have mm-hmm. people come from China. You're yep. gonna have people come from Korea. Yep. You'll be so. able to play with a lot more of an international crowd than any other GP that you've ever been to in the states. Yeah. Yeah. It's very very international. It is, and and the great thing is is that the judges there they have bilingual. Well, they have judges speaking mostly English and Japanese. Yeah, I've never but they seen... have Chinese judges there, and they oh, they, they had... do. That's very cool. People from like Malaysia yeah. and yeah, so so you will be able to communicate with the officials. Yeah, and you do not have to compete. You don't have to communicate with your competitor except to mm. be nice to them, and you know, uh, you know, to say good game and shake your hand, shake their well, hands. I and, think you know, at the end, most of the Asian players know English. That is, yeah, I found that. I found it is definitely. Uh, one of the best places to go to to at least chat about the game itself in, and in the, English. The competitive uh, Japanese players usually speak English mm-hmm. as well. Yep. Uh, the the people that aren't as competitive, those are the people maybe you might have some communication issues with. But hey, if you're at the top tables, I don't think you have to worry about yep. you know the the language barrier. And even if you don't speak the language, they will be some of the nicest and most polite players you have ever faced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I think that pretty much sums up the information about, you know, playing at a Grand Prix in Japan and mm-hmm. also the, the basic information about uh, Yokohama. Oh, or, sorry, about GP Yokohama. One, so I, one quick thing, uh, because yeah. this, is, this is something that's come up recently, and I think they've resolved it, but I, if you are going to the GP and you're doing casual stuff, and if, if part of that casual stuff is trading, be very careful that you only trade in the designated trading areas. That's a new uh, thing in, in, in the it? last. Yeah, because uh, I know they stopped. I thought they stopped that. Did they, they stop like doing a, that? Like I think uh, last year in Chiba they did that, and then they had like maybe one or two afterwards where you know you had to like sign your DCI number and do something like that yes. to go trade. Um, and then they decided. I think the last one they got rid of it. Okay, I want to say that's good because there was a lot of people who were upset about it, and I would yeah. I would have been too as well because I love I love like trading when I go to these events. Yeah. It's so much fun. So trading is a little bit easier now. And another thing that just happened, sorry, that just started again is the uh, vendors are now able to buy cards. There that's... was some unspoken rule, I guess, that stopped people from doing this for like the last what seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever I've gone there, I haven't been able to sell cards. Yeah, and like everybody outside of Japan's like, what? You can't sell cards there? I'm like, yeah. I've never had that opportunity. And it's like the best place to sell because, especially during a modern event, mm-hmm. do you know how much money you can get for By something like modern sur- cards surgical dealers, extractions yeah. or you know, something like that? So Let's be clear. This is selling to dealers who, are, who actually have set up tables there. Yeah, you can, to you vendors. You cannot sell cards to individuals yeah, yeah. Uh, on the floor at any time. Yeah, so... So that's uh, that's a nice thing. All right. Um, so the next thing I would like to talk about is just kind of like Yokohama in general, maybe a little big... bit about I'm... magic. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. I'm I, I'm real excited about this because I have not been to Yokohama in years, and you actually mm. live there now. So I'm yeah. curious, like, what your take on 
life, you know, like life outside of the magic events going to be for people if they want to explore into Yokohama? Well, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Just the magic scene. Did when you visited, were you playing magic at the time? Oh, did you check out any stores? Or? N- um, no, I I've I have never done any magic shopping in Yokohama while I was mm. there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, just for you and also for my you know the listeners that might be visiting Yokohama in the future, I'll just talk a little bit about uh, where to go shopping and and where to play and that that sort of thing. So in Yokohama. Uh, most of the stores will be located right near Yokohama Station. Um, it's kind of it's kind of tricky to get to the area where they all are. I want to say they're next to the I want to say Joinus Department Store in the Sotetsu line, like that that exit. I'm not sure if it's like the west exit or, or what whatever. But uh, once you get out there. Uh, you can walk down the main street and, you know, going straight ahead, you'll, there's a, a yellow submarine. Um, if you go oh, the, further the, down this, the card shop, the yellow submarine. Yeah. The card yeah. shop, the yellow submarine card shop, a little expensive, usually have a, a good selection though. And they also carry, um, they also carry tabletop gaming, which is one of the yeah, best things. About Dungeons and Dragons submarine. stuff. Or also, you know, like, uh, uh, sellers or hammer. Can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that if, you, too. if if you're a Sellers fan, you haven't you, you you get a Japanese copy while you're here. Yeah. So yeah, you go you go past uh, Yokohama. That's right. You go past Hello Submarine, and uh, if you there's gonna be a McDonald's on on the left side, and you take a left after McDonald's and go down that street, and you keep going straight. There's a hobby station. They are and, everywhere. Oh my yeah. god. Hobby it's just, it's is, really small. It's yeah. not for magic really. They have magic cards, but it's mostly for other other games japanese trading card games yeah so it's, yeah. it's nice to check for you know deals during maybe you know release time or whatever or you know because because they're non-magic uh a non-magic store you usually will find better deals at these types of places because they don't update their prices as as quickly as like big magic or hallelujah so just just a you know some advice yeah. for people shopping so after Hobby Station, you go further down the street on the left side. There's also going to be Full Comp, which I'm I'm thinking maybe it's only like in this northern area. Yeah, I've never heard of Full Comp before. Yeah, so it's 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 a decent store. Um, they have a decent playing area. I think they have two different floors: ones for Magic and I think Yu-Gi-Oh, and another ones like for other cards. Um, so there's three stores there. If you go. Outside, you go back, walk back towards that McDonald's, and you go straight back to... If you keep walking, it goes straight back to the other main street, not the street that hits back to the station, but the, the street with the cars. You go straight there and take a right, and uh, I'm, I believe maybe five minutes down the road, you're going to find Amenity Dream. Oh, yeah. I, I forgot there was an amenity an AD in Yokohama. Yeah. So they, they usually have decent prices. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, especially, the, the, especially on it's, standard cards. Yeah, foils as well and stuff. They have a, a good selection. Mm-hmm. They have a one of the bigger selections in Yokohama. So you know, if you're looking for something, you're either going to probably go to Amenity Dream or you're going to go to uh, uh, maybe Yellow Submarine, I think, or Sinjite. I think yeah. Sinjite. I think it's the name. And Sinjite is so tricky to find. I spent like an hour using the wizard's locator to find it. it just it, it, yeah, the wizard locator is garbage in Japan, just because of like how streets are set up. 
oh yeah you know in the um, buildings and stuff like it's that. tough you, you, you use the win you use the store locator you find the stores that are near nearest to the station you're at you yeah. cop, you copy the address you paste it into Google Maps, and you pray Google Maps can discern the English translation of this address to get you to the store. 80% of the time, nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, Shinjite is also really nice. Uh, Shinjite is more like that legacy and eternal uh, format store. It's like the best place to play modern and legacy in, in Yokohama. And it's right next to Amenity Dream. So if you can find Amenity Dream, I think it's like on the eighth floor, you have to look up at the signs on the building to, to find it. There's a a gold hippo at the front entrance of the hallway you need to go to to get to the elevator to get to Shinjite. So, yeah. So, I think those are like the, the big stores uh, in the Yokohama area that you can visit. There's a couple more that are maybe a few stations uh, away or kind of, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. But if you're coming to Yokohama, I think you just want to Stay near Yokohama Station. You know, that's kind of a theme about magic shops in Japan. Every every city I've visited, biggest big cities, uh, I've, they always have one area that seems to be designated for, I'll say, otaku things. Uh, yeah. They'll have anime shops, and they'll have, uh, you know, manga shops, and they'll have video game shops, and then they'll have card shops. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, and the other part of that is, a lot of these shops are just buried away in these tiny mm. little down these tiny streets or up, yeah. up on the eighth floor of some you know of some office building and they're really hard to find but when you find them you feel like wow such an accomplishment i found yeah. this place and and you'll you'll just you'll go through you'll go through the the piles of of of, uh, of boxes or the shelves they've got and just trying to find just some some really nice little mem- <laughs> memorable card that you can say i got this at this tiny little store mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere in yokohama mm-hmm. What a great find. What a great yeah. find, yeah. yeah. Especially if you don't mind Japanese cards. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that pretty much oh, there's one more store. Uh Mint. Mint oh. is actually really good staff. There's I've a mint always... there's a mint in Yokohama now? Yeah, there's always been a mint here, it seems like. But the first one was but, but wait, the original one's in Shibuya, Tokyo, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's like the cafe slash bar. Mint. Oh, so this mint, it doesn't have a bar attached to it. No, this is just a sports collectible card shop. And so they have baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards. Uh, how do I say, like uh, Japanese idol cards and stuff like that. And then they also have magic cards. But no alcohol. No alcohol, yeah. Boo! That is the yeah. only reason to go to only Shibuya <laughs> is to but, drink uh, and play but, magic. But they have great staff out of all the other places. Uh in here, I, I like Shinjite and I like Mint as far as staff, like welcoming places to play. Yeah, the, so. the, the Mint in Shibuya, uh, although there's a lot of alcohol involved, they're very nice. So yeah. yeah, we'll have to talk about that in another topic. Most definitely. Oh, Shibuya is crazy magic. Yeah. Okay, so um, the last part I will talk about, like you said, you haven't been to Yokohama in a very long time. Just tell me, like, when you came here last time, where did you go? What did you do? So let's imagine people are coming <laughs> and well, I mean, well, let's focus no, more no, I'm on because I'm trying to remember the last time I was there. Yeah, but le- okay. So, but let's try to uh, focus more on what are people going to do if they lose on day one and they want to enjoy Yokohama on, right. on, on Sunday or if they're coming early on Friday and they, you know, maybe do some trading and then they want to go out that evening. So yeah, what 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 do you remember from your experience? The, the three times I've ever been to Yokohama, uh, once for the music festival, uh, once mm-hmm. uh, 
as a tourist and a third time with my uh, visiting my in-laws who lived there at the time. Uh, all three times I did the same thing. I went to Chinatown. Mm-hmm. Yokohama has the largest Chinatown in Japan. And mm-hmm. some say it's the largest Chinatown in the world outside of China. It's yeah. huge. It's just it's, it's it's block after block after block of really good restaurants, really interesting shops, and mm-hmm. uh, just it's fun. And there's a lot of really neat little temples and stuff. Uh, I will say one thing: at I visited Chinatown my first time maybe about ten years ago, and uh, now that I live here, it's changed a lot. Like I feel like in the past there was a lot of how can I say like local type type stores, type mm-hmm. of restaurants and whatnot. There yep. was a lot more variety and diversity. And I feel like recently these bigger companies have just bought out all the smaller people and you have a lot of kind of repetition. There's still a lot of stuff there, but it's like you, you walk around and it's like, okay, that's the same menu as that place and that place and that place. Mm. So, Is the food still good and cheap? Though? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's still good. It's still good. Mm. Um, cheap, yeah. I mean, most places you'll be able to find a, a very affordable meal. Yeah, and st- and also street food. You can always buy, you know, uh, dumplings or whatnot. You know, vendors on the street, and you know, get, grab something to go. So most people know Chinatown. What they don't know is that, like, the opposite area. So, like, if you get off at the station and you take a left, I think Ishikawa Cho maybe is like the station there um, to get to Chinatown. Um, you take a left, you go to Chinatown. If you take a right, there's a place called uh, Motomachi. So Motomachi is like the high, high level, not high level, like uh, boutiques and uh, uh, yes. high end, and, like, high end shopping. Yeah, high, high end shopping and stuff like that. And uh, uh, there's a lot of good restaurants over there. And it's also right next to Yamate which is where all of the foreigners that originally lived in Japan lived. So when they opened up Japan, what, 200, 300 years ago, you know, they only allowed foreigners to live in specific places. Mm-hmm. And Yamate was one of those areas. It was, you know, Yokohama was a big port city. And I believe it was either Yokohama, maybe Kobe. Maybe not Kobe, but uh, Nagasaki, I think, were like the two places they allowed foreigners. Yeah, I think those were the two, yep. So they have a lot of cool old old buildings and stuff like that. It's up on a hill, and you can kind of see all of all of Yokohama from there. Um, what else? What other things did you do when you visited? Do you remember? I visited Landmark Tower. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a really great view from the top, and that's literally all I – because like I said, the first time I was there, I was just there for a rock, a rock festival. Yeah. And, uh, but that's all I can that's – all I, that's all I did. What do you do? I mean, as, as a local who lives there – what do you find to be some of the best places to go? Uh, well, the shopping is great in Sakuragi-cho. So I, I love I love going down there. Um, there's some good stores in in Landmark Tower. Um, I like going to the Queen Square, which is the next building right after Landmark Tower. That's one that's closer to Pacific Yokohama. A mm-hmm. um, lot more restaurants there. There is a Shake Shack. I don't know if you ever had Shake Shack. Oh yeah, there. Yeah, I'd heard that there was one in Yokohama. Yeah, so it's it's right there by uh, by Queen Square. Um, what else is good? Uh, 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fast food places in the basements of Queen Square there, but uh, a lot of good shopping if you need to buy souvenirs and whatnot. One really cool thing about cities in Japan, uh, from the large to the small, they always have a specialty food, something that they're known for, something that people travel. When mm. they travel there, they have to find this food and try it. So for for Nagoya, we have a few uh, that I could I could list, but what about Yokohama? What is some something food-wise, that is local, that people are going to want to try while Chinatown. Town. So just, it's just straight-up Chinese. <laughs> yeah, get, get, go get the nikuman, you know, the, the dump, the... Steam, steam what, dumplings. Steam, steam dumplings and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I think that's what everybody does, what everyone goes to eat. However, um, one of my favorite places for drinking in Yokohama is Baird Beer, uh, the Bashamichi Tap Room, which is... Close to Bashimichi Station, which is on the Minato Mirai line. And uh, they are out of Shizuoka, Japan, uh, from, I want to say, Shizenji. It's like the far east side of Shizuoka. And they have like all their own locally grown crops and stuff that they use to make their beer. Very tasty, very fresh. They have one of the only smoke, how do I say, uh, barbecue smokers in Japan. So you can get real ribs, you can get like, you know, pork shoulder, you can get pulled pork. It is so good. Travel from so, America to Japan to try American food. Yeah, <laughs> but it's so good. Japanese beer with American food. I, 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 I will say this. Japanese craft beer is doing something right because it is just, yeah. it's, it's, it's really good stuff. Yeah, it's really gotten popular recently. So mm-hmm. that's something that I would recommend. Uh the red brick warehouse they call it akarengan uh that's also not too far away from the pacifico yokohama area so it's a uh, an old warehouse that was retrofitted to become like a shopping area and food area a lot of good restaurants in there to, to check out if you want to get some food um world porters is like a mall that's not too far away from pacific sorry pacific yokohama they have a lot of food there a lot of shops. Um, the bottom area has a lot of Hawaiian restaurants. I think there's something like 20. It's like That's like their theme. It's Hawaii. <laughs> so if you want Hawaiian food, Japanese people love Hawaiian food. It's very popular here, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, also the Cup Noodle Museum <laughs> is very close. Is that in Yokohama? Yeah. There's like a Cup <laughs> Noodle Museum. It's super close to, to the mall, to World Porters. You can walk there i think so that's something you know great that you could do after the event or maybe before the event i think it closes like at five or six p.m so you want to get there probably earlier in the day but i I think these cultural points of interest are important to mention because we did start off talking about shops in japan in yokohama that you could visit but i think it's really important that we we stress this that all the shops most of the shops especially the bigger ones will have like no cards available because oh, yeah. they, they will take their entire inventories to the Magic Fest. So yeah. even even in Nagoya, you'll go shopping in Nagoya, and you'll be like, where are all the cards? And they'll say, mm-hmm. we're, they're all in Yokohama. Yeah. So you can go to the shops. You might find something uh, in, in the, like the dollar boxes and whatnot. But a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the big, big ticket items are going to be back at the, at, at the, G, at the GP. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe you should go to the Cup, the cup Ramen Museum. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I think that's I think that's uh, everything I kind of wanted to say about Yokohama. It's a great place. Really, uh, you know, good food, good mm-hmm. shopping. Um, a, a lot of these magic podcasts tend to focus only on magic, but I feel like you know I want to focus more on you know what what is what can you do in Japan? If you come to Japan, you want to do Japan things. You know, yeah. you don't want to do only magic. It's a shame uh, not not to kind of you know explore. And also, it is in Yokohama, and if you're feeling adventurous, uh, Tokyo is just like, what, a 30-minute train ride away? Yeah, if that. Yeah, yeah. so you could if always If you get on just... an express train, it's like 30 minutes. But I have no information about Tokyo except for this. I really do not like Tokyo, so. Yeah, I, it's too busy. It's, <laughs> it's, only got, it's only gotten worse. Yeah, exactly. And with the, yeah. with the Olympics next year, it's just, yeah. it's just nutty. Oh, man. Yeah. A um, couple other things. So if you're... Want to stay out of Tokyo and you want to do stuff that's kind of closer to Yokohama, um, other than Yokohama Station and Sakuragicho. Sakuragicho is where, again, the, the near Pacifico Yokohama. Um, another place I would recommend is Kamakura. I don't know if you've ever been to Kamakura, I've Dan? Never, I, that name sounds familiar, but I don't think I've, ma- I've made it out there myself. It is basically the, it's a small Kyoto. It's a mini Kyoto. It's the Kyoto of Kanto. <laughs> the, the Kanto, Kanto Kyoto, I like that. Kyoto of Kanto, yeah. Every every area in Japan claims to have their own version of Kyoto. I love it. Oh, but they have um, everyone. Everybody goes there during the the fall for like you know viewing the color, the, the colors mo- and stuff the like that. And Momijigari. Season. Yeah, and everybody goes there for Hanami, you know, for the cherry blossoms, mm-hmm. and they have a nice shopping road. They have a giant Buddha. The Daibutsu. The Kamakura Daibutsu. I've been there. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so stupid. I've been there. I forgot that it was out there. The Kamakura is... Re- I, yeah. I, was, I knew it sounded familiar. The Kamakura Daibutsu is the yeah. largest outdoor giant Buddha uh, in Japan. Mm-hmm. A little a little trivia You can for walk you. inside. You can go yeah. inside it, and it's really cool. And yes, highly recommend Kamakura. It's very yeah. It's very peaceful out there. And that's like a day trip. That's, that's something maybe it takes uh, about 30 minutes from Yokohama Station or yeah. so, and... You can walk around for a couple hours. That's something great to do on Sunday or that Friday if you get there early enough. Hmm. Good, good. Okay. Man, that's a, that, that is a good advice. I, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed being... I've, and I've been to Kamakura twice. Oh, my memory. <laughs> I, I got dad brain. Yeah, <laughs> I know that feeling. Okay, well, great. I think this was a, a really good first episode. I, I ran a little bit long. I know we had a lot to cover, a lot to talk about, a yeah. lot to introduce. So. And next time, no, no, none of that boring stuff about us. Yeah, so you know, hopefully it'll only be like 30 minutes or 40 minutes next time. <laughs> All right. All right, well, I'm going to close this up. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening about MTG in Japan and hope you come back next time or for our next, uh, next podcast to learn more about the comings and goings of MTG in Asia or in Japan. And next time I'll have a, a, a an email address so you can email your questions yeah. to us because yeah. that's something I totally forgot to set up this week. But we yeah. will have an email address next well, time. Well, you can contact me in the meantime. So if you have comments or suggestions for the show, something you want to you know hear or listen to, um, you can find me on Twitter at Yoshwanky. Uh, or you can uh, contact me through the comments on my website. So again, my website is www.thejapanhobbyist.com I'll probably uh, post this up on there and you can just use that blog article's comment section to, to kind of, you know, talk about it. Okay? All right. Anything else you want to say, Dan? Uh, had a great time. I hope to do it again and uh, that's all I got. 
All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And again, this is the code of the cardboard samurai.